0: Hello, marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC marketeer. We are very lucky to be joined by Dacia Coffey today to talk about public relations, where it's at in the AEC industry, and opportunities for growth. So before we get started, I'll just have Dacia give a little introduction of herself.
1: I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on. I am the CEO of a business-to-business marketing agency called The Marketing Blender. And so we offer full creative and strategy, but we also offer something called fractional CMO or chief marketing officer services. So we really come in there to help companies get aligned around their sales and marketing and even operations and really take a strategic approach from that. So it really spans the whole spectrum of marketing and how does marketing help you sell more?
0: Very good. I'll start out with this question. How do we proactively engage with PR?
1: It's such a great question. And First of all, I want to give you kudos for saying, "How do we proactively engage with PR?" Because actually that really is the core to understanding public relations. It's interesting because it's really about aligning a little bit with the vision of what the firm wants to be in the world. So you're really going, not just regards to What impact is this going to have on revenue, which it will, but also who do we want to be in regards to legacy and inside of the industry? How do we want to be positioned and what kind of impact do we want to have all the time, not just when we're engaged in a client project? So that's really important to know because that proactive part It's really having to think further out. And so then it's a lot about content and about what do you want to be known for, right? And a lot of times that goes beyond just what you're amazing at from a delivery standpoint. So yes, you want to be known for that. You want to be known for amazing projects or, you know, wow things that you've done. But oftentimes there's also aspects of your culture, of your history, of just how you see the world that are really fascinating to people and that really relate. So as an example, for instance, you know, in marketing, I mean, I can talk about marketing projects and how we've impacted revenue or two extra, three extra, four X different firms. But also I have a lot of content around mission and vision. I also have a lot of content around working remotely because I've had a remote team around the world for eight years now. And a lot of times the topics go broader than that. You know, I end up talking about being, a woman owned business or a female in AEC and in you know B2B in general and so the topics span the human realm not just the delivery realm so in regards to being proactive you've got to really think about okay what is that full scope and then you have to work towards that because the other thing to really understand about PR is that it's all about relationships. And relationships don't happen you know, in the snap of a finger. They take time to build. And this is relationships with media, relationships with trade publication editors, relationships with event planners or other speakers who introduce you to podcast hosts like yourself, uh, relationships with groups that you can serve where your your potential customers and your potential partners are in the audience. So it's a really wide range. And so you have to look at PR from the long game. And so yes, it will have an impact on revenue and it's an important and incredibly effective part of a really healthy marketing mix, but it's not just about that.
0: Okay, so you actually brought up something that I wanted to ask you about. How do you explain
1: the ROI of PR? I love that you asked this question because it's a really complicated answer, and I think really this lies at the heart of so many challenges. So if you think about ROI of PR, but also of all of marketing, you simply cannot get an accurate answer unless you're thinking about how it relates to the overall context of all business development. So I like to think about them as revenue ratios, and here's why. At the very top, when you're thinking about marketing, you have to have visibility and PR plays really well. (laughs) It specifically is about visibility because if people are not aware of who you are, if you are not visible in your market, you simply are not going to get business because you are invisible. So visibility is absolutely critical. But then from that visibility, did it create some traffic? Did it create enough curiosity for a prospect or an audience member to think, wow, they had something interesting to say, let's go check them out. And so back before COVID, that might be traffic at a booth, it might be a side conversation from a speaking event, it might be traffic to your website or traffic to a landing page or traffic or engagement on your social media, but did your visibility turn into some small investment in attention, right? So then from traffic, you move down into conversion. Did the traffic convert interest into inquiry? And then you get into, is it a marketing qualified lead, a future prospect or sales qualified lead, somebody with an immediate need right now that then enters the sales cycle. And PR affects all of those. So of course, traditionally speaking, it's at the very top of visibility. But PR also creates a halo effect throughout all of the rest of it. Because if you leverage PR well, then it's definitely going to drive traffic. You can also do links. Uh, PR is very effective for SEO because you get backlinks to high quality sources. So now traffic and SEO is really being is benefiting from that. And then when you think about the next one with conversion, the faster you build trust and when you have earned media. So that's what PR is, is you earned someone's attention, a media editor, influencer, anyone. You earned the right to get in front of their audience. You didn't pay for it. Earned media builds insane credibility because then your audience, your market looks at you and says, wow, a lot of people really trust this person, this firm, this company. I can trust them too. And it almost acts like a shortcut when you start entering into the sales cycle because it already checks boxes that you are who you said you are, you're reputable, you're credible. And so really that halo effect is incredibly profound. So PR is very difficult from a one-to-one ROI standpoint However, when put in the broader context, you can measure visibility, you can measure the reach, you can create conversions and calls to action. You can also then leverage them further in your sales cycle. So it's still a complicated conversation and it takes a while to build that type of equation to really understand it. But it can be really profound if you're seeding it all the way through your marketing funnel and your sales funnel. Okay. So could you
0: maybe give an example? Because I know that a lot of times we see PR as sort of this very large thing of like promoting the entire company. And I know that PR can also be leveraged for an individual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe explain how that would
1: work? Absolutely. So remember what I mentioned earlier, it's about thinking about both what your revenue goals are and your firm goals, but also about your legacy. And so that, that has a lot to do with it. So let me just give you some examples. Maybe this is probably the best way to do it. So if you're thinking about traditional PR and trying to become an interviewed expert inside of a trade publication or media or on TV or anything like that, so that earned media, you follow along with their editorial calendars and you look at these publications and you think, What are the topics that they're talking about? Because those are published, I mean, a year in advance. So you look at their calendar and you think, what can I add value? How can I add value to them? And so when you do pitch editors, when you do send queries to them to say, I think I have something of value that you'd be interested in for your June 2021 uh, topic on such and such, then you're aligning and you're helping them to understand how you serve their audience. Because at the end of the day, you know, they want to bring value to their audience and so if you can help them do that. So building a relationship with them and thinking proactively and looking at, at the market and thinking, okay, what are the things that people are interested in and then how do we align with that and when can I submit in order to bring value to the audience and get more visibility, that's one example. Another one is in a different direction, it's a lot more about legacy and just about your general firm reputation and even attracting top quality talent is submitting for awards. Now, we all know a lot of us submit for Project of the Year awards or those kind of industry awards, but thinking broader, thinking about Best Place to Work awards and culture awards and ethics awards and really just the things that you passionately care about, again, beyond just the delivery of what you do. So engaging in those award arenas. That's really important. And then of course PR is all about your content. So if you do have video or podcasts or anything like that where it's owned, you own that content. It helps editors, it helps influencers, it helps other people whose audience you wanna get in front of Get a sense of who you are and how you serve the market. And it all starts working together, right? So, your blogs, anything like that, that's really where you can dive in and clearly define where your expertise is without being boxed in because you own it. There's no rules. You get to decide what you want to be known for and how you want to serve the market and think about your buyer's journey and what content you can put out there that can help them be successful in their endeavors as well.
0: Very cool. So a little pivot here. I have noticed that AEC is typically behind on a few things, especially when there's a a new technology in terms of marketing. Why do you think our industry in particular struggles so much with social media?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, there's so many reasons for this, really. So (laughs) first, you're so right about us having a tendency to lag behind. We get so busy with proposals and technology and specs and relationships. And we live in a very busy, 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 go, go, go deadline world. So it's very difficult to slow down and think proactively. So that's one part. And then the other thing is you got to think about the personalities that this industry attracts. Number one, it's a very tangible industry, right? We build things. <laughs> like the outcome of all of our work, even the consulting work is a physical structure. So really, we all, and especially the firm owners and the principals, they have a tendency to really think about things from a concrete standpoint, as in, can I touch it? And that is significant and real in the world. So then when you go into technology and you go into social media that has lifespan of a gnat, right? I mean, you tweet something, it's literally gone. I mean, in less than 10 seconds, that's really hard (laughs) for someone to wrap their brain around and think, okay, why does this even matter? You're kidding. We took all of that time to put something out that maybe somebody will see and maybe somebody it won't. So that's one part I think is there's a challenge there. The other one is that we have a lot of generations in this industry. And I do find I'm going to speak plainly on this. I do find the older generations are only recently acknowledging that the new way people communicate is very different and it does include social media. And that social media is a relevant and important place that people go for advice, for reviews, for content, for insight, and to look for resources and to check people out. And you know, when you don't—if you're an older generation and you're too busy to get on social media and you don't use it like that—you're not going to think about it like that. So I think that's one thing: is we're spanning a generation, and social media just continually changes nonstop. But then. Here's the final part. Social media is so complicated because there's so many different ways that it impacts business development. So it can be from social selling where you're literally one-to-one behind the scenes reaching out to decision makers that will not return your email. It's shocking how much more people will respond to a LinkedIn message, a short, respectful, appropriate one, versus an email because email is overwhelmed. So there's a really specific approach to that. But then in regards to company content, It's a lot of work. And so people have a tendency not to want to do it. And so it can feel very shallow. It can just be a lot of pictures of projects. And then it looks just like your competitors, right? So thinking about social media from a who are we in the world? What do we stand for? What do we represent? And moving, yes, you need to have some project photos. Yes, you need to have your awards and your things like that. But show your employees' faces. Put a video, a 30-second video up about what you care about in the world or celebrating or giving props to one of your vendors or partners or clients, but really turning it into human content that is interesting and engaging. And I will tell you what, visibility is the most expensive thing to pay for in time, attention and money because it's so important. And because you're talking to strangers, I mean, you're just throwing out this broad net. So you've really got to be thoughtful about, is my content good enough to be follow worthy? Is it good enough to take a minute where somebody goes, wow, that was worth my time and attention versus all of the other things I have on my desk. So I think there's just a lot of struggle there with, confusing how does it matter and what part do we engage in and my goodness when you start adding paid social media and that kind of thing it's profound but it's complicated and you really have to have a high level of trust with someone in your firm or you know with an agency that knows the industry well enough to really drive business through that so I love it. I want to end with it's absolutely worth it. And it is time for AEC to go to the next level and be follow worthy, to really show the world we are building the infrastructure and the pieces of our everyday life that makes up everything about this rich, wonderful life that we live. There's just so many things that we get to take for granted. And there's some cool stories about what our industry does, and they are follow-worthy, but we've actually got to give the time and attention to do that.
0: What are the steps to becoming follow-worthy? And how do you know when you've achieved it? Like, are you looking for a certain amount of followers? Are you looking for a certain amount of engagement? How would you define follow-worthiness? Okay, I love
1: it. Yes, this is such a good question. So there's a couple of different things. First bad news is there's no specific steps, but I'm going to give you some tips and some examples of where to go deep with your company or to be follow worthy. And then we will dive into the metrics. So first place, harvest your stories. Get people again on camera talking about When they founded the firm or when they, you know, what the backstory was when they worked on this project or how they came up with an aha moment. Have people in the company talking about career progressions or life lessons learned and even get ahead of things. I really say, look to the calendar to make it easy. So for instance, with one of our clients, back to school is happening this month, right? So we sent out a request a month ago and said, Hey, you guys send us your favorite back to school pictures. You know, if you're what, if you're open to it, show your kiddos, put them in your company's logo or anything, but just Do back to school. We did, there was a calendar, a bring your pet to work day. And of course, because we're at home, everyone's pets were at home. And so we had so much fun. And the people, the employees were amazing. They were so funny. They were dressing their dogs at home. In their reflective vests. I mean, some of them had safety goggles on, others were behind the desk like they were on Zoom with you know spectacles on, as if they were working on something with their team. It was greatness. But you can look to the weird quirky holidays or the milestones that just happen naturally throughout the year to do that. So really stories and humanity and just showing faces and showing heart are an example another client of mine on Zoom, they sang happy birthday to their CFO. And it was the worst thing you've ever heard. Oh my gosh, that post went crazy because they were willing to be vulnerable. They were willing to be embarrassed. And everybody that saw it on social media was thinking, wow, yep, I get it. And just the engagement was really, really cool because it was just A subtle message of we're all in this together. So think emotion and think the range of emotion. I mean, there's anger, there's frustration, there's fear, there's nervousness, there's joy and celebration and sorrow and intrigue and curiosity. And I could literally just go on and on and on. But don't be scared to dive into emotion because I would say that's the biggest point of sabotage that I see in the AEC space, because we just want to be very specific about what we deliver and we're so analytical and we've got to get everything right. And that is true, but it doesn't mean that it has to choke out space for emotion. It also doesn't mean that emotion hurts your credibility. It actually increases your credibility because it shows that you are confident enough to be human and masterful all at the same time. I already mentioned, you know, showing people. And then the final piece is sometimes you just have to take the time to think big. Our industry really doesn't do a lot of those amazing campaigns, right? Like that you used to see for uh, business to consumer type of commercials. Why not? Like, what if we did invest some time and attention into being quirky or interesting or funny? Because those can have a lot of legs, but they do take a significant time and attention investment, not necessarily money always, but a time and attention investment to really be follow worthy. So really it's about being intentional, but oh, if I can say it again, just dive into the emotion of being a real person. And also there's a lot of crazy inside jokes in our industry, especially depending on this specific space. If you nail those and you put them in your social media and your content, people just jump all over that because they realize, oh my gosh, we are similar and you're reflecting something that's true about them. That's how you get people to share your content. So that was part one, and I know this is such a long answer, but you know, you can tell I get really excited about this. But the second part you had mentioned, how do we know what was successful in regards to follow-worthy? So I'll use the word metrics. No, this is tricky. So it depends on the platform, and there's a couple different things that you have to do. First of all, if you do not have any followers on your company platform, you need to do that first. You need to do either paid or organic, but really aggressive campaigns to get followers to your company. Because who cares if you're follow worthy, if you have no followers, they can't see it, right? (laughs) So like you have to work on that visibility back to PR, back to making sure that there's awareness about what you're doing. Make sure that there is an audience for your follow worthy content. So that's number one. Number two is that you've got to be honest with yourself about the platform and not freak out about the metrics. And here's what I mean. LinkedIn, when you like a post, it automatically shows up in your feed, right? So the higher up in an organization, what we've realized and what the data shows also is that executives really don't engage with social media, meaning they don't hit the like button, they don't comment, they don't share, but it doesn't mean they're not reading your content. So the reach on LinkedIn can be really, really important. And oftentimes we see much lower engagement, but then we find, and our clients find that in the middle of a sales cycle, their prospects and their partners will comment on, oh my gosh, I love what you guys are doing on the social media. Now the engagement levels are low, but they are getting a ton of emails and live feedback about their social media. So you've gotta be realistic about what the numbers say because just a lot of people don't engage and like and clap and all of that other stuff on LinkedIn. Now on Instagram, they definitely do. It's a lower risk environment. And so there's a lot of hearts, that you have to use hashtags. I mean, there's still strategy so i hate throwing out these little details like that but it is important to know you have to plan ahead of time to know if i'm going to do this follow content am i going to get it in front of enough eyeballs that validates that it was good and then the final piece you just have to be consistent so post number one might get some good traction but when you're on post number 15 or 50 or 500, it's amazing that people will go back and find old posts and you'll continue to aggregate more success and more reach, if you will, more engagement, the longer you go. So like being follow worthy is a position to take. It's a commitment that you make because this is part of your brand and how you show up in the world. It's never just about one and done posts. So that's the other thing too, is again, it's about the long view, just like all of PR.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of other industries taking on and sort of owning is using video as opposed to just, you know, articles, just pretty photos. How do you see us being able to us as an AEC being able to bring in video
1: and leverage it? I love video. Thank you for this question. Okay. The short answer is everywhere, 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 everywhere possible that you can use video, do it. I mean, from moving a static image to a short little clip or a meme or anything like that, that's something really simple. Taking small video around your office or having, I know we're not in person anymore, but you know, having people do little clips or interviews again. So just putting your voice out into the world about what you care about and how you can serve other people but take the time i mean it's okay to use an iphone as long as you make sure that the angle and the lighting is good but it's okay to use an iphone for a short clip of a video whether it's a conversation with a peer or whether it's a project you know video or anything like that so there's a wide range there are the time and places where it's absolutely appropriate to spend Two, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars on a video because this video is going to have legs, meaning it's going to live in your marketing repertoire for a year, two, three, or more, right? And so it's really significant to your brand and what you stand for. But then the rest is just populating your humanity and your value in the market. And so I think people overthink video and they go, oh gosh, I don't. I hate being in front of the camera or I don't like my voice or I don't like my hair and men are just as bad as women. So this is not a female conversation, <laughs> but just people getting really nervous. And if they think about their audience first and what they want to communicate to them, man, you can see an immediate change in how people respond. And here's a little side tip. One of my favorite things to do is just to set up a couple inexpensive cameras on tripods in a conference room and videotape your team talking about important topics. With a good video editor, oh my gosh, there's so much rich, real content. And that is social media fodder for a month. If you just record something or an office meeting that you would do and just get a couple of those video clips. And the side note is is your social media platforms will massively reward you for using video and not just static images. But I believe they should be on landing pages. They should be on your website. It should be on your social media. It should be in your bios. Literally everywhere you can stick a video, put a video.
0: (laughs) So what platforms have you seen to perform the best?
1: I, of course, absolutely love LinkedIn. It just continues to evolve and grow and they continue to add cool tools that are really effective for the entire spectrum. And so I'm a big, big believer in LinkedIn, paid as well as organic, the, sale, the selling tools, all of that. For AEC, I also am a big believer in Instagram. I get a lot of pushback on this, but that's where the younger engineers and the younger guys in construction are. I mean, like, and then you know, you think about architects, my goodness, it's a visual platform. So, and it's fast and it's fun and it's easy if you let it be. So if you get a little strategic, I mean, you can really repurpose content in smart, interesting, cool ways on Instagram. So those are probably my two favorite social media platforms. And then really for every firm, every industry, every specialty, it really just depends, right? I mean, some people are appropriate to have and launch a podcast. Others don't have the time, don't have the audience, don't have the desire or the content to do that. So, you know, it really, after those two, it starts to get really specific. Webinars work amazing for some companies and not for others. And so you really start to have to think about your buyer persona and turn your market, here I have air quotes around market, into the humans that make or break your success. And when you Think about your audience, not as potential invoices and POs and proposals, but about the humans that are busy and are dealing with work-life balance and have a dog barking in the background of their Zoom call and, you know, all of the things that give us commonality beyond what we do for work, then it's a game changer because that really will help you dictate what platforms you should be on
0: right I like that you bring up Instagram because I feel like I don't even have Facebook anymore Facebook for me is where my parents go now yes Um, and (laughs) I don't see enough of our firms on Instagram and it's my favorite social media platform
1: yes 100% (laughs) thank you for bringing that up Well, and I will tell you, I have one client and they're in the manufacturing side of AEC. So we we sell to the AEC market on their behalf, right? And holy cow, Instagram has been so good for them. And they have a product that is just ancient. I mean, this product has not changed in hundreds of years. It's something everyone is very, very familiar with. And we have just really been able to showcase their personality, their values, celebrate the industry, celebrate their clients and their partners. And Instagram's the place where it's really taken over. And we did an Instagram takeover on it where we made all of the tiles look like a massive singular picture in order to launch a new product for them. And it's very fun. It's, it really is. It's really fun. And I think it allows our firms to say, Hey, there's more to us than just what we deliver. Definitely.
0: Well, that sort of concludes our interview. If our listeners want to find out more about you, where should they go?
1: So I do a whole bunch of weird things because I just (laughs) love talking shop. So I love this kind of thing and I love building one-to-one relationships. So let me tell you about a couple of different things. I love LinkedIn I already told you about that so I do a LinkedIn live every Thursday 12:30 central and I can see your comments I pick content based on things that people have private messaged me or recommended that I do so I love to do LinkedIn live and just jam on a topic and really go deep or interview somebody and really just have some fun there around how do we make our marketing more effective. So LinkedIn Live every Thursday, 1230. The other one though, is we do this fun, weird little event called Coffee with Coffee every so often. And it's an invitation only, but You just have to ask to be invited. So I don't usually tell everybody that, but that is the truth. I just want to engage with other business people that are passionate about their work and making the business world a better place. And so there's a landing page that you can go to and Keelan, I'll make sure to give it to you so you can put it in the show notes, but basically just say, yes, I want an invite. And it literally ends up being a small group of people think five to 10 where we show up now on zoom, but we used to show up for coffee. And literally just pour advice into one another specific to what do you, you know, how can we help you? And it is the coolest, weirdest thing. I mean, there'll be 10 of us where most of us have never even met each other, just giving advice and sharing and celebrating each other and just being an encouraging voice inside of the workplace, not just getting that from our family and our friends. And so coffee with coffee, I want to encourage anybody to sign up for that if they are looking for really positive experiences in the business world and goodness this year is weird we can use as much positivity and then of course my website i've got two websites themarketingblender.com and also daciacoffee.com for all my speaking and my content stuff so thank you for that
0: thank you so much for talking with me i really loved our conversation and i hope our listeners did as well hey marketeers So next week, we have on Damien Morris to talk about your personal brand. I hope you enjoy Dacia's interview. And if you don't want to miss Damien's episode, please feel free to subscribe. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Chat soon.